How are we? We're doing good? Doesn't this look like the view? Isn't this awesome? I want to, uh, first and foremost, I want to welcome everybody who's not in the room right now. Uh, for those of you who are new to King's Church, we are one church, but a, a, a couple different locations, and then we have a variety of services as well. And so I want to take a minute and I want to welcome uh, everybody else who's watching via video. So first, uh, the 9.30 a.m. crowd at the Valley Campus, let's say hello to them. We're, we're glad you're here today. The second group of people I want to uh, recognize and welcome is I want to welcome uh, our, our East crowd, who on this day uh, is a very significant day because this is the day they actually have moved to Bayside Middle School. So they're in there. We're so pumped. There's a funky little place down on Bayside Drive, King's Church East, King's Church East. I could do I could do the whole solo. Now, okay, all right. Now, okay. Now you guys are gonna have a funky little place down a Bayside Drive stuck in your head. That's a great jingle. I don't know if we have any beats and bites people here, but. You win on the jingle thing. But East, we're celebrating with you. Uh, Pastor John and Pastor Dan and Linda, they're all in there with you right now. And so we're glad, uh, glad that that's the case. And I just believe great things are going to happen uh, because of this move. And then, of course, last but not least, the, the late crowd, the 1130 a.m. crowd of the Valley Campus. Let's say hello to them. We welcome you. We're glad you're here. Well, this is fun, isn't it? Yeah, okay. Uh, I want to just take a minute. I want to welcome my panel colleagues here today. Some of them, some of them are a little nervous. I was saying, this is awesome. I got a couch, and I, like I got to share the workload. We had we had supper, and like I was eating like a king. I was just like, Whoa. and some of them were not wanting to eat too much. But we have an amazing panel here, and I want to introduce everybody. Uh, you should know most of us, but just in case you don't, over here on my far right is uh, Pastor John Simons and his wife Willow Ann. Can you welcome them? Uh, Pastor John serves as an associate pastor in at our East Campus, and you've heard you've all, all sat under his ministry before. If you've been coming for a while, you've heard him preach. Uh, one of my favorite preachers of all time. Uh, pastor John and Willow Ann, they represent our uh, more experienced crowd as they are uh, grandparents. They have grandchildren, and actually they are celebrating, about to celebrate, correct me, uh, what anniversary? You can use, you're going to have to use the microphone. You've got people in Bayside Middle School. They can't hear you. Again, 49. Wow, there it is. 49 years. And then here to my right, uh, probably don't need no introduction. This is Pastor Dan Lamus and his amazing wife, who you don't get to see very often, but she is our, she's our, one of our kids' pastors, and she just does an incredible job uh, with your children. And so would you take a minute, and would you just give them some honor? And how many, so just get everybody caught up to where your stage. We have different stages on the stage. That was weird. We're cut, yeah, we're 34 years of marriage. Yep. Awesome, awesome stuff. Most amazing 34 years. We've loved it. Yep. And you have three kids? Yes, we do. We actually have, we have three kids and a couple of daughter-in-laws yep. as well. And they're all grown up. No more teenagers in the house. 
So empty and nesters. Empty nesters, that's right. And uh, no more teenagers in the family. So we're going to work on this. And so we've got another, another one on the way. Our oldest boy, John, and about his wife, Jesse. So in to August, join. we're going to be having a, a baby girl. It's amazing. Yeah. So you're about to join the grandparent crowd. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. In August. So. Yep. Sorry. So exciting. And then over here to my far left, this is Dr. Shola Karipe, and this is his wife, Dr. Marilyn Karipe, and they are representing a couple different things for us. One, they're representing the parents on the stage and the married couple on the stage who have teenagers. Uh, but also, I, they have just meant the world to me and just have spoken a lot into my life, and I just wanted to give them the opportunity to be part of this panel because I believe you're going to really receive from them. Uh, but the other, the other reason they're here is because they're a representative of you, the congregation. And so uh, you've got some... Uh, professional Christians right here, and you've got some Christian professionals over here, and so I thought that would be an awesome thing, because they have real-world jobs just like you. They aren't, here, they aren't church every day of the week, and so uh, I really thought you could uh, gain from them. Shola, Marilyn, how many, how many years you guys have married? <laughs> Quiz, put it's, me on the spot. It's in years. It'll be almost 19 years. 19 years. Yeah. That's amazing. So... Yeah. Born and raised in French Village? Uh, no. <laughs> Originally from Nigeria, That's London. Right, yeah. You lived in London for a time. That's right, yeah. And then you guys moved here in... About four years ago. Yeah, yeah. It's been amazing to have you guys here. And then this lady right here, this is my beautiful wife, Melanie. And uh, I want you to give her some love and some honor. Here, let me just say this. Hold on, hold on. Before you do that, uh, you guys receive from me every week. I'm going to try to say this out crying. Said I wouldn't do this. Um, but I couldn't do what I do without her. And you don't see her up here, but she uh, ministers to you every week. And so would you love on my wife with me? Thank you. Thank you. And we represent, we represent the, the married couple. We've been married, oh shoot, 11 years. I didn't get it right. <laughs> I just trying to remember what month it is right now. That's all. Um, don't worry. I got it, babe. 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 I got it. But we represent the crowd who has little kids. So we're in the, like, the crazy zone where you don't want to see our house kind of thing, right? Like that's, in fact, there should be some toys everywhere and this just to make us a little more comfortable. There. There. We're feeling better now, aren't we? Yeah, good. So to keep this fun, what I wanted to do was with this series, we weren't able to just answer every question. And so I spent the first three weeks just dealing with what I thought were the most kind of overarching topics that we needed to talk about. And I think we're going to do another marriage series before too long. Uh, but there were some major topics I wanted to deal with. But there are also kind of rubber meets the road questions and things that you guys asked us uh, via your, uh, the, the th what's that thing called? A survey. Yes. Thank you, Linda. You guys filled out the survey. And so there's some questions that came in through there. There's some questions that came in on Facebook. And so what we're going to do, just to keep it fun, is we're going to kind of set this up like the greatest show that's on television today. Pardon the interruption. No, okay, one. Yes. Sports fans, anyone? Okay, the view, the view. Okay. Uh, we're we're going to have this dialogue. And to keep it moving, we're just going to kind of tackle some different topics as we go. And I thought to make it fun, Melanie thinks it's cheesy, but I thought to make it fun, uh, we would have three different segments. And so segment one is called Headlines. We're going to talk about a few different topics together. Uh, and then segment two is going to be called, uh, what are we going to call segment two? Mailbag, where I got, Melanie loves this. 
Am I right? Yeah. Where your questions are in the mailbox. Back in the day, they used to use these things. They're called mail. It's called real paper mail. And then we're going to end off with a little segment called toss-up. So to keep things rolling, uh, we're going to try to give ourselves five minutes to hit these topics, and we'll, uh, we'll see what goes from there. But let's just jump right in. We don't have that much time. It's going to go pretty quick, although some of the people up here don't believe me. I think it's going to go really fast. So, Mel, do you want to read the first question? And just we'll throw it out there. Maybe we'll throw this out to Pastor John to start us off. Okay. First question. Divorce, separation, and marriage failures are all around us. What is the secret to staying in love and making marriage last for the long term? Did you hear the question? I did hear the question, yes. I didn't didn't mean that as an insult on your hearing, by the way. (laughs) Pastor John, the EQ is a little weird, and so... He's mad now. uh, My apologies. Uh, 49 years. I don't think we could say that it's been... 49 great years because some of them uh, were difficult and uh, we've never come close to splitting but I think about 25 years ago we were struggling through a difficult time and we literally we questioned maybe if we were incompatible incompatible well I have the income and you're patible Oh, <laughs> well, I'm sorry. That's just bad. There we go. Wow. But <laughs> we literally came to a time when it was just difficult. And we were a ministry couple, mm. and we had to deal with, uh, are we, we came to, let's do what we said we were going to do when we said I do. Right. And so we simply, I don't think there are any marriages made in heaven. They're all made here. We get heaven's help. And we simply had to do some hard work. So when you, yeah. say, when you say we decided to do what we said we were going to do, what do you mean by that? I mean when we stood before my pastor dad yeah. and said, I take you for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health. Uh, did we mean it? And if we did, then we need to improve some things here. We weren't communicating too many nights back to back, maybe just... Nothing major, just drifting apart. And mm-hmm. so we just said, let's do what we said we'd do back That's at good. the beginning. So would it be safe to say then, obviously, just a, a bottom line commitment to a commitment exactly. yes. is, is the, kind of the secret to the long haul? I would say for us, it was just commitment, whether you feel like it or not. I think there's some couples that, uh, how many times have I had it said to me, uh, we don't, I don't feel like I love them. We've fallen out of love. What's that got to do with it? Right. I really believe, I tell those couples, if you do what you said you would do when you originally said it, the feelings would come around. Mm. And they did for us. Yeah. Didn't, did. didn't they? It did. Yes, it, yes, it did. <laughs> and, and John has been a wonderful leader in that. He was the one that said that. We've got to work on this and, and, and put in place some strategies to work on it. He really did. Yeah. And John has been... He's been so trustworthy, it was easy for me to stay with him. He mm. was, he, he's never lied to me. I know he hasn't, and wow. he's always been faithful. And I could trust him, and, and he's made life fun, and mm. I didn't want to miss any fun. <laughs> so commitment, commitment, trust. I mean, they're, they're, these, these sound like the kind of stuff that keeps a marriage going. And just to, just to 
add to the fact that you guys are having fun. You were mentioning that you really took my, my sermon to heart last week. We're really tired. <laughs> we'll say that again, Pastor John. What was that? We've had, we've had so much homework to do this week. We're, <laughs> we're not young. So. We're exhausted. Just, just to loosen everybody up a little bit. Uh, in case you didn't get the memo, there's adult conversation going to happen up in here. So, um, kids, earmuffs. Ah, that's good. You guys didn't have any other thoughts? I can't really see our timer. Uh, how much time do I have? 125. What, anything else on just kind of how do we make marriage work over the long haul? Wow. You know, I, I, I love that. Um, pushing past those, those times when you say, you know what, here's an exit coming on the highway. I can see either I'm gonna take this exit or, or we're gonna push past this. And if, if anybody, anybody in the audience is thinking about, you know what, I see an exit out of this relationship coming up, push past that. You'll be amazed when you push past it, how much strength is gonna to come to you. I find grace is on the other side of that exit ramp. On the other side, and, that's, and that's, that's true for that's faith good. in general, right? Yeah. Like grace is on the other side of obedience. And I think we quit before the breakthrough often happens and we, and we actually receive from God mm. what he was going to give us all along. That's huge, Pastor. Yeah. Uh, let's, let's jump to the next question. I want to queue up Marilyn and Shola on this one because I, 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 wanna, I loaded the gun with this one for these guys because they're living it. So here's the second topic on the ticker. Can you see it? Is it on here on my left? Yeah, all right. Take your word for it. Here it is. Topic, no time. Here's the question. Uh, according to an article in the Harvard Business Review, which I read, by the way, mm. Har no, I didn't. I just pulled it off. Harvard, Harvard Business Review sounds pretty cool. Uh, the number of married couples who are dual career in Canada is at an all-time high, over 70%. Given the demands of careers, kids, families, sports, commitments, school, what is the secret to making it all work? Easy question. Go ahead. <laughs> Um, the main secret is sort of looking at where you are at, looking at the ages of your kids, looking at, at that time, what's most um, of, on top of the priority list. Then having a schedule, which everyone has a link to. So as the plans, everyone has their own individual plan, so we all put it on the schedule. So at the beginning of the week, we all look at what's gonna happen, who's gonna do what. You guys have like a family powwow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, it's on the iPad anyway, yeah. a big schedule. So uh, just, to, just to give everybody the context here, these two are both doctors, and actually Marilyn had been working in Nova Scotia and commuting, yeah. and yeah. now she's in Fredericton, and uh, Shola actually has a practice in Grand Bay, and then they have two teenagers who are like really super athletic and dominating sports, and so, <laughs> just to give a window into yeah. what this means for them. Yeah. So it's looking at that and then um, deciding as well in all that family time, um, being there for the kids because they're only with you for a while. So sometimes it's worth letting go of certain things so that they can have you for now. Mm -hmm. And then also looking at church as well is important in all that mix. Um, and ensuring that we have uh, socials for the kids and also for ourselves. So we have a big schedule um, and we all put it in. So we know what's in there and we go 
at the be uh, beginning of the week, look through, and then that helps us plan. But there are priorities, family, church, then uh, uh, work or the kids' activities, uh, which are more important. There are some we let go of. So it's having a conversation about the week mm. um, and, you know, looking at stuff in relation to that. Pastor Brent? Yeah. I didn't hear homework in there anywhere. Okay, not a priority. I didn't see it homework. I think, I think it is a priority. I, I'm oh, pretty you sure. You got the homework yeah. in there too. All right, that's good. All right. Oh, just, homework. Yeah, just homework. Okay. Just check in. Ah, so I'll make sure you listen to the pastor. That's all. We're schedule it. Yes, yeah. schedule it. <laughs> Thursday's part, part of the schedule. <laughs> yeah, like Marilyn said, it's, it's really having a, a sense of priority. What, what are your priorities? What are you trying to achieve? Mm. You know, when your kids were babies, you had to change diapers. And after a while, they are teenagers, they, they have their sports, they have their lives. They, 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 it's a matter of understanding what the priorities are and understanding the seasons of life. Mm -hmm. If you don't have a grasp of the seasons of life, you get carried away, gosh, I've got to change my career, or I've got to do this. But the career will come. There will be time when you've got lots of opportunities to, change, to chase career and, and excel in career. But I think the important thing is understanding your career. Yes, you have your God, you have your family, you have your priorities, you have your job, you have the church. And what are the priorities? You, you set those priorities right, and some things would have to give. There's no doubt about it. I mean, if, for instance, my, my son has got uh, something to do and I have a meeting to attend, then family for now is a priority. I would, I would sort my kids out, and then if there's time for the meeting, I join the meeting. And it's understanding those priorities and giving God his place. And the scripture says, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's, and to God what is God's. And, and I think that's all it's all about. I'm picking up. So you're talking, you're talking about prioritizing. One of the things I'm, I'm finding, and I don't know if, if Melanie might disagree, but I, I'm, I'm discovering that balance is a myth. And it doesn't exist. And that... You give yourself, again, according to what you have set out to say, here's my priorities. And I often find, and I know Melanie would say this, that after I've given myself to what I've prioritized, there's not a lot of time left for, like, just for me. <laughs> there's not, like, there's just not a lot of time. Like, for, like, I used to play basketball multiple nights a week. Yeah. Now, you know, I was four years until, like, about two months ago, and I started one night a week, I can play basketball. And you kind of... You can't do everything, and it's such wisdom about this idea of different seasons you can do more and, and, and than, than others. I remember hearing uh, Andy Stanley. He's a pastor in Atlanta, Georgia. He's got a church of, I think, the second largest church in America, like almost 40,000 people. And he talked about how when my kids were little, I, I worked 50 hours, and that's what I did. And he said, now that they're older and they're empty nesters, he's like, I work 70 hours a week because I like it because I can. And so, you know, especially to some of you folks that are maybe in the, the stage where your kids are, are all over the place, is really setting those priorities. And we were talking at supper about even just the fight to get your family to church is so crucial. And I'm not just plugging that to get you here because you need, you like, I like to see your attendance. Um, I will say as a kid who grew up in sports, um, competitive sports, my parents really divided that line well for me. They didn't just say that you're never going to a, a tournament on a weekend, but they never let me feel like church was not going to be important. And if we did miss a, a Sunday, that was a big deal. 
and I understood. And uh, so that's huge, just priorities. Here, I wanted to ask one quick follow-up question. I know we've gone over time on this a little bit, but I think this is where, is this where a lot of us live? Can we just, yeah. where did my studio audience go? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Let me ask this. Sometimes two careers don't always cooperate. How do you determine which career gets precedence? Like sometimes, like if, if, if two, two people in the marriage have both got demanding jobs and these are at odds, how do you, how do you roll that? How do you navigate through that? How do you navigate through, uh, you know, is it, is it Dan needs to do this or Linda? Now, you guys are kind of a unique exception because you work at the same place. Um, but, you know, for Melanie and I, my, my wife's an RN. She works on the cardiac unit uh, at, the, at the hospital. And sometimes that's a, a real dance for us because my job's a little bit demanding sometimes. Um, but uh, that was sarcasm, <laughs> super sarcasm. But it wasn't picked up. I, I work one day a week. That's what it is, isn't it? One day. <laughs> you work hard on that day. I do, man, I do. I'm not even working this weekend. I'm just having a conversation. But when, when it comes to that, like, how do you prioritize? How do you make that? How do you make that? How do you navigate that? Because both couples, we talked last week about submit to one another. What does that look like when, it, when you know, one job has to take precedence over the other? How do, does anybody have any thoughts on that? Because I know, I know there are many couples out there that are both, you both have roles or, and are trying to, to navigate that. Yeah. I think it, it all, it's all down to communication and, and having understanding and, like you say, submitting to one another. It, the woman may feel, oh gosh, I love to chase my career. And the man will say, well, why not? I could look after the kids for now and you go chase your career. And you know, once you're done, we'll swap over. It's, it's got to be understanding. It's got to be give and take. And that's what relationship is all about. Mm. Being ready to sacrifice one for another. Right. And I think that that's what it is. Yeah. Um, but if everybody wants to go, gosh, this is what I want. And that's my ambition. And that's and then it's never really going to work. Yeah. It's going to work when we submit to one another, when we sacrifice for one another and are willing to um, to give yeah and whatever sets up the family to flourish the most right like that's I think right. if that's yeah. the mutual commitment then it gives you a lot more objectivity to say it benefits the whole for us to go this route as opposed to that route yeah, that's, that's, right. that's yeah. huge all right let's let's go to a different let's go to a different topic uh, you want to read this one Mel dollar dollar bill y'all this is the next you don't want to say that no <laughs> come on <laughs> I can't read if you make me laugh. Okay, next question. Now I can't read. The current divorce rate in Canada is at 41%. Of this number, 50% of them cite financial disagreement and friction as the primary contributor. What is the key to not allowing money to destroy a marriage? And how do we love each other through financial stress or disagreement? Do you guys want to jump in there? All right, we will. We'll jump in on this. Um, Well, we've been married 34 years. In most of those years, I've I've been in charge of actually handling the finances because I'm so amazing at it. (laughs) Was that sarcasm too? That is amazing sarcasm right there. So I'm going to try to answer real quick, and then I'd like to give the mic to Linda because I'd love to hear her perspective on this a little bit. I am not good with money. Um, We... uh, I, apparently, I'm better. I guess I don't know how we decided this, but but I, I'm just not great with it. But what we learned early in our in our marriage is that that we were going to tithe, 
you know, we were going to just make that a commitment. Didn't matter. We were going to we were going to tithe no matter what, and we and we have by God's grace, by that just giving away ten percent, giving giving ten percent of your income uh, back to the Lord for His service and for His glory. But that was a great reminder of us that 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 God has to be at the center of our marriage. Uh, one of our favorite marriage kind of wedding scriptures is "Love always hopes, always protects, always trusts, always perseveres." And I tell uh, couples that I'm marrying, the most important word in that verse is always. All of us, all of us want to love always, but none of us can. Always keeps the door open for God to enter your marriage. So that's, you should tweet that. <laughs> Say that go. again. Always keeps the always, door open. The always of love keeps the door open for God. Awesome. To come into your marriage. So in our finances, that's definitely been true. Tithing has been keeping the door open for God. Just that, that, that frontline obedience. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't the money. It was just keeping that door open. And, um, and then the other thing that, that's always been part of our, our mix is that uh, Jesus was pretty clear that, that wealth is deceitful. You know, he said that, that, the, that the cares of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth are like thorns that actually choke out the life of God in your, in your, in your home. And uh, so for us, we knew, hey, wealth was a deceitful thing. We weren't going to go after wealth. And so God was higher than that. But I don't know if you want to comment at all on the grace. Let me just unpack that verse, though, too. Jesus says it's a deceitful. Wealth is not a bad thing. Wealth is a deceitful thing in that, like, there's one scripture where Jesus talks about um, greed. And he talks about the lamp of the eye. And basically that greed is the one sin that none of us think we have. You know, if I, if, I, if I said to you, you know, what are you struggling with? None of you are going to say, well, I'm just a greedy jerk. You know, like none of you are going to say it. And it, so when it says that, that wealth is deceitful, it's that you need, you, you need to keep it at arm's length in that, you know, it, it can mm. grab a hold of you and can blind you and distort reality. Right, so. you know, and being the one, for, those, for couples where you're the one who handles the finances, greed is, is always lurking around. Mm. Uh, you know, if you have a spouse that really trusts you, there's lots of shadowy areas you can kind of dwell in there with the finances. And I always battle greed, not because we always made a ton of money, but because I wish that we had in some ways. That was kind of the, other, the, the opposite side of it. And so once in a while I had to come clean and that wasn't fun, you know, about how, uh, you know, maybe I wasn't spending our money as wisely as I should and we worked that out. So grace, grace is huge in this whole thing. So could you, I don't know, I'm putting you on the spot, but could you comment a little bit on how you, yeah, anyway. I remember the, I remember really strongly when we were first married that there was this thing that happened in our house one time and um, it just reminded me of what God said from the beginning for us is that to not hang on tightly to things because that is not where your happiness is going to come. And that from the beginning, we had to hold loosely to those things. And when we were first married, we, um, in our apartment building, the in our apartment, the top off of the buffet on the hutch, it fell over. It fell off. And everything in it cracked, like broke, right? Everything. Everything we got for our wedding present broke. Everything. I never even got to use it. Like, it was on the floor broken. And I heard the crash, and Dan said, you don't want to go in there right now. <laughs> and so we drove some teens. I didn't want you to go in there right there. Right, yeah. right. I don't want you to go in there We right were now. driving some teens home. We took them home, and we came back in, and I remember seeing everything on the floor, everything, all the little pieces. And God said to me specifically right then, this is not what I have for you. This is not what your life is going to be about that stuff. 
do not hold tightly to that stuff. I remember seeing the plant on the ground, it had fallen out, the dirt, you know, <coughs> laying there, <coughs> you know, and, I, and I, I specifically remember how hard that was, but yet I remember God saying to me, don't hang on to that stuff because your life will not be about that. And that we have chosen to not focus on that. I'm going to interrupt you. You got to tell the story about the about the the money in the fireplace. Oh, just this, okay. Okay, so uh, there were times in our marriage, on and off, when Dan was doing some speaking and traveling, and we weren't necessarily on staff anywhere, but we were living off of whatever he made when he was speaking and the kids were quite young and so I was home a lot and he would he would go and he would travel and, Wait, and speak. You get paid to be a pastor? <laughs> so we didn't have we didn't so, have an income. Okay. <laughs> we didn't have an income that we could count on. What we lived off of was what they paid him when he spoke. And so it was Christmas time and someone had given us some Christmas money and there was two hundred dollars which we really needed for in Christmas a in a card in a card, in an envelope in the card. And we were house sitting for a family that year that was in Africa and they had a furnace stove and I by mistake burned the money. And I felt, I felt I was so mad at myself. And if you know me, I would be, if you know me, I would be so mad because it was so stupid and so dumb, but yet Dan so showed such grace to me, and he said, honey, we're gonna be okay. I, it, it's fine, it's all right. Very and yeah. yeah, yeah, and we got through it, but so, it's those kind of things, don't hang on to that stuff. So again, yeah. obviously what I'm picking up in your guys' answer is like how, how having Christ as central to your marriage actually detaches you from that control and that kind of back and forth thing that happens in so many marriages and distrust. Mm -hmm. I, I even heard, you know, you're talking about like you don't value that. It's not that you don't value money. It's just that you have a greater value in your faith and in what God's doing in your life. And you, like where Jesus says, don't store up for yourselves treasures in, in, on earth, but in heaven. And that just frees you up. I would say to some couples, though, who are just maybe discovering um, their faith one of the things I always mandate, and I don't do a ton of weddings anymore, but when I used to do a lot of marriage counseling before weddings, I always mandated that you got one bank account. Hmm. Um, there are a lot of marriages, and if you, you know what, if you're, if you're not a married couple that both have the faith in Christ, then that's probably going to be a different dynamic. But if you belong to Jesus, uh, according to the Bible, you two have become one. And uh, I would strongly encourage if you don't share a bank account, like you are one flesh. So what are you doing having two bank accounts and two opinions and two things going on? Um, it's, it's, it's something that you two together have to take before God. Yeah. And that just dissolves so much tension. I mean, we, we don't see eye to eye financially. Like she's much more frugal than I am. And frankly, you know, what I've, what I've said the week one, how she's a grace to me and I'm a grace to her. And before God, that opens us up to actually leverage that strength instead of seeing it as a weakness and a point of confrontation. Because there's been times where she's pumped the brakes on spends we should not spend, and I would have. And there's been times where I've loosened the, her grip of fear, and, and we've been able to give or be generous or whatever. And I find, like, together before God, that's when we function financially. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, yeah. Let's, uh, let's, okay, new segment. Are, are you guys, are you with us? You guys in at East? Hey, all right. The studio audience is on point. I feel like I should have like an applause sign, you know, one of those. 
Everybody in the Bayside doing all right? All right, next, next segment, we get to use the mailbox. Yeah. All right, this is called Mailbag. Uh, Vanna, would you pass me? Uh, would you pass me? Vanna's beautiful, not old. She goes, Vanna's old. Vanna's beautiful. That was a compliment. Now, uh, let's do question one. That's number two. Pull out the top one. All right, you might as well just keep them. Uh-oh. <laughs> there we go. All right, here it is. I'll, I'll read this one. Yeah, wow. I'll definitely read this one. Okay. Uh, there are kids in the room. Here we go. Topic. This is from, this is submitted by you guys. Topic, the big O. <laughs> Catching up? Okay. Uh, uh, Pastor Brandon, last week you spoke about the marital duty to, fill, to fulfill each other sexually. It would seem to me, and this was asked by a woman, that it is more common that the man is fulfilled sexually than the woman. Can you speak about female sexual fulfillment? Yes, yes, well, you can. <laughs> well, I'm glad you asked. Um, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm the host. I'm gonna. <laughs> Actually, I think Dan is the perfect person to talk about this. <laughs> well, well, I don't know about perfect, my, sir. My respect level for you is already here. I don't. Well, it's know. all time high right now. All right. <laughs> wow. I, mean, I just want to point out that your eldest son is in the third row and he's, yeah, yeah, he yeah. is doing this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I did mention that they are having a child. Go ahead, Rico. So, you know, it's all good. <laughs> you know, I, I, think, I think, you know, hey, this is it. You know what? We are going to be learning to be good sexual lovers for the rest of our lives. Don't, don't think you have to be great at it right away. You probably won't be. It's just, it's just the way it works. Like you just commit to, to learning. And it's good as, as a couple to realize you're learning. And that you, it takes time to get things right. Um, you know, uh, it's, it's so important to listen. I know uh, we, actually we were talking about this at supper. <laughs> and and I'm, hope, I'm, I'm hoping Willow Ann gets a chance to speak up because she made a great point about listening and, and paying attention. Mm -hmm. and, and wives feeling like they have the ability to be able to speak up about what works and what doesn't without, you know, and knowing that they're gonna, not going to offend their husband in doing that. So one way we submit to one another is actually by having the dialogue yeah. and humbling yourself enough to actually have that discussion about, you know, what, you know, learning and discovering. That's, I, one stat I read a couple, or last week was that uh, women who, were, who identified as most satisfied sexually were married 15 years or over, right? So that, that speaks to that process. Yeah, and you know what? I would say, I would say, hey, you know, if you've just been married, been married a year or two and you think sex is great now, look out. <laughs> so let's swing it, it all it the way better. to the end. Yeah. Let's. <laughs> Go down. Well, maybe practice does make perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's so key, and you nibbled at this, Dan, that we... Um, <laughs> I wish... I worked so hard I last week I to avoid innuendos. That. In fact, there were words I said last week that I was like, eh, borderline. Yeah. We just crossed the border there. <laughs> I did, didn't I? I did. All right, so we're nibbling. Can we back... 
Can we back the tape up? Let's back it up. Let's back it up. Yeah. We'll, we'll edit that out. Bayside won't see that. It is so key that couples be able to tell one another, to speak frankly, yeah. I don't like it when you do that. Yeah. I like it when you do that. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of couples I have counseled with over the years, one, uh, they tried that. So he, she told him what she liked or didn't like, and the result was three or four nights with his back to her. Right. And they learned the lesson, that's the last time I'll, I'll try that, where if we're truly committed to Christ and into mutual submission, we ought to be able to talk about something that intimate. Yes. I like that. I don't like yeah. that. I wish you would. I wish you wouldn't. Yeah. Yeah. It's so vital. I yeah. think. I, I, it's, it's telling, and I'll let Willowan jump in here, but it's telling that, you know, in, in something that intimate, it's, it's, a good, it's a good litmus test as to the level of intimacy you have in your marriage if you're not able to talk about what you like sexually versus what you don't. Like, that, that, that should call you forward. Like, you've got some work to do in, in just coming, drawing closer together. I think Willow Ann was going to talk, and I'm going to kick it over to... No? She's, she's passing. Pass it on. <laughs> um, it, it's important because if you don't talk about it, that you're in that commitment and in that marriage. There is no other outlet for, for such uh, nice uh, meeting together and being involved. You can't do that with anyone else but your spouse. Um, so if you're not talking about it, you're then giving them permission to go look for what they want elsewhere. Um, and um, so it's important to talk about it. And when you talk about it, you give them, you're saying to them, what you want and what you need is important to me. So I want to address that. So it's really important to talk about it. And uh, you're already married anyway, and you, you do what you do. So there's nothing any more secret, yeah. so you get open about it. Yeah, I love that. That's good. Well, I'm glad we answered that question. <laughs> any, any other comments? I do want okay. to say, I just want to say one thing, that I, I think about a couple that gets married, and this doesn't happen, and one isn't satisfied, and the terrible disappointment, because they've stood before their, their loved ones and in, at the church, and they've gotten married, with all their hopes and dreams, and then they're disappointed. Mm. And it's awful. Wow. And it's lifetime. Or maybe it isn't lifetime. It, and doesn't, it doesn't have to be. No. Yeah, and there is a lot. I mean, I think especially in our day and age, it's important to realize, too, like where, where are you developing your sexual expectations from? Mm -hmm. and, and frankly, there's just a lot, of, there's a lot of digital media and imagery, whether it's pornography explicit or whether it's even just what you're seeing you know, portrayed on television. And one of the things that that dialogue does is it actually brings down to real life what real sex is supposed to be. And that, that discussion just has to happen. And so I just encourage you, like, like one thing, I think a lot of people get married with the wrong idea. I, you know, had good counsel before I was married. Like, hey, man, you're just not going to be awesome. <laughs> you know? And, uh, you know, like just again to... So yep. anyway, you're, you're a hero. I'm not. And, uh, <laughs> Yeah, anyway, let's move on before I say something I uh, really regret. All right. All right, let's, let's, let's jump into this. This is, ah, this, is a, this is a pretty serious topic, actually. You want to read that one? Sure. This is number five. This is another question. My husband doesn't share my faith, and we aren't spiritually on the same page. I want him to share this with me 
And more than that, I want him to experience salvation. What do I do? I kick this over to Shola, maybe. Do you have any thoughts on that? I mean, it's, it's a very difficult situation when both um, spouses are not um, Christians. But I think what the Bible um, suggests we do, if we look at um, 1 Peter 3 from 1, it, it talks about the wife with her lifestyle converting her husband. <clears throat> so it's a matter of living a life such that it's an example to your spouse. It's, it's, yeah, they don't agree with this and they don't agree with that and maybe they step on your toes and they don't believe in what you believe in, but rather be wronged than prove yourself, but use your life and your conduct and your behavior to win your husband or your wife, as the case may be. And I think that's, that's what the scripture says. Uh, but as I see your lifestyle and your commitment to God and, and the way you respond even when you've been wronged, they would, um, they would be drawn to Christ. Do you, do you have anything to say? Um, the other thing to remember, um, one thing that the Lord's never taken away from us is our ability to choose. Um, so it's, 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 it's important that we don't um, Im impose our beliefs on our spouse if they are not in agreement. Um, the Lord was so wise, so to speak, and he never took our ability to choose and our will away. Right. For, you know, we still have that. So why do we think we should to someone else if they don't have the same faith? Um, we should just... Um, be an example and conduct our lives in a way that will cause them to desire what we have because there is a change in what they see in us. Um, instead of insisting, because Christ never insisted that you gave your life, he waited for you to. Right, right. So provide, so provide for them the same freedom that God gave to you and don't preach at them. You tell them the truth if, they're, if they ask, but you, you, you live your life before them. Isn't yeah. it Eugene Peterson's translation where it's, it's is it the first Peter? Scripture? First Peter 3? Yeah, winning them. I think he puts it, uh, winning them without words. Right, yeah. You know, to stay away from the, the nagging and the constant reminders and preaching. It won't, it won't so winning without words is so, put there, so well. There's a real subtle thing in us, too, and I find this myself, not necessarily, I don't know how that feels because my wife and I are, are both believers, but in other areas, sometimes I mistake the real root of my urgency, and there are times probably, obviously you want the salvation of your spouse and you want them to share uh, what, what it is that you're experiencing, but there's a very subtle thing that sometimes you need them to believe to affirm your shaky faith. And you have to be really careful that you're not leaning on them, that they have to believe what you believe for you to have faith. And th that can happen in a variety of ways in Christianity. And I find myself, you know, in a, in a multitude of ways, but specifically in your marriage, um, you pursue Christ for you and add in the connectedness to him, let that speak out of the overflow of your life. That's the only chance they have. Nobody has ever been arm wrestled into following Jesus, and it doesn't last if they do. And so I just encourage some of you, um, trust God. He was able to save you. He's able to save your spouse, and you just live your life in front of him. Yeah. So, okay, let's, let's jump on to the next one. We're, we're run, go ahead. Just one thing, I never underestimate the power of praying for your spouse. Amen. Never underestimate that power. 
Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And when you pray, that'll provide the grace for you to live it out, right? You, you get connected into God's presence. All right, number six. This is, oh, this is huge. So we haven't had a chance to really talk about dating and singleness that much. So here's a question that came in. Uh, I'm single and I hope to be married someday. Although I want someone who shares my faith, finding that person has proven difficult. What are your thoughts on missional dating? What they mean by that is uh, dating someone who doesn't believe in Jesus, but your hope is you're going to be a missionary to them and bring them to church, and someday uh, they'll find Jesus. What are your thoughts on missional dating? What would you say to someone who's single, who's maybe they've looked in the church, they can't find someone, and now they're wondering, can I find just somebody who doesn't believe what I believe? Mm. Pastor John? I, I don't think I would ever recommend it. Mm. I would never say to someone, I think the dating game is the poorest mission field out there. Yeah. I, I so rarely... I think it's work, but not because of the dating. Occasionally, it's just because God draws all to himself, but I would never recommend it. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah you know, you're really going against the grain of how God wired us as humans to, to attempt this, to think that you can not share the same love and faith, love and hope and faith in Jesus, to think that you can actually turn the tide on that and be, be uh, intimately involved with somebody and, uh, and be able to let them have the freedom to choose Christ or not without you mixing your, your own thing in there. What I'm trying to say is <laughs> it goes against the grain of how we're wired yeah. to attempt that. It's, it's not wise. There's, there, that, to take that language, it goes against the grain. The, the word that Jesus used was do not be unequally yoked. And what he's referring to is actually um, a, a piece of wood that would go across the, the, the shoulders of oxen. And they would, a, a yoke of oxen were two ox, two oxes. Oxes? Oxens? Oxen. Oxens. I don't know. I do know what a yoke is, though. A yoke were two oxen. Yeah. And they would walk together. And if, they, if one was way stronger than the other, or one had three legs and the other had two, uh, that was going to make for a real difficult... Oxen have four. You guys are thinking, who is this guy? He's so dumb. <laughs> the point is this, that as a, as a yoke of oxen, if it's unequal, it's going to, one, the stronger one's going to drag it off course one way or the other. So he's saying as, as it pertains to being married, having the same faith, it actually aligns you with the most fundamental foundational reality that you've got to basically cross off is that do you believe in Almighty God and have you submitted your life to Jesus for salvation? And that is such a huge thing that I would never, ever play with hoping that they'll get it. You know, you could be attracted to them. They could be just everything you're looking for. If they don't have that, they're not the one, period. And I would say that as your pastor. Um, Do not, do not do it. Do not do it. Um, The odds are they're going to pull you. And you're not going to pull them. We all have this. We, sorry. Yes, no, it's they okay. agree. They it's agree. Okay. They got it. Studio yeah, audience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, we, we, we all have this crazy idea that we're the exception to those rules. You know, we can play with fire and not get burned. Yeah. We know that centuries have told us this, but I, I'm the one. I'm the one. And really, you know, we just can't buy that. Uh, and we need to hear the word of wisdom and say 10, 20 years down the road, you'll be smart to take the wise the wise route. And did you have anything you wanted to say on this? Because I know you... Well, only that when you're in the middle of a situation where you're feeling, you know, drawn to a person, it's almost too late then. 
because you're already, you know, you're already emotionally involved. And so to, how can, you can't think properly. So to back it up and not get yourself into that situation in the first place, it's my advice. God has grace for everywhere you are. And those of you who are married and your, your spouse doesn't, you know, believe what you believe, it's, you know, it's not, it's not too late. He'll give you grace to offset that, that unequalness. But at the same time, never set yourself up for that. It's just going to be, it's just going to be such a battle. As a, a Christian single, I think it would be worth some time to sit down and make a list of, you know, prayerfully make a list of what you want in a spouse and what the, the highest priority will be if the person has to be a Christian. So when you meet someone, you need to go back to your list yeah, and cross-check that over and over. And once the first thing is not met, you drop it all there and then move on. So it will be important to have a list. If not, you will accept and take on everything you meet along the way. So you have to have a goal. You have to have uh, a, a list of what you want in the spouse. And the first line is he or she has to be a Christian. And that's where you start. So instead of getting entangled, you already are working with your head, not your heart yet, because you're looking at your list. Yeah, and we, and we, we talked over the last few weeks about how you know, faith and God was designed to be the, the core component in a marriage in the first place. Now, there are marriages that work that aren't faith-based, but God's original design was that it was on the bedrock of we share the same core beliefs. You know, when outside of that, there's all kinds of things that you can be, quote unquote, incompatible, um, you know, or like it can be debatable or, you know, I don't like the I don't like how he chooses food or whatever. Like all that stuff doesn't matter. You can work that stuff out, but you can't work out whether or not someone is going to share your faith or not. And that is something you've got to be. I like how that imagery you've got to check that off up front. All right. Let's uh, what do we what else we got? We're running out of time. This I told you this was going to go fast, didn't I? Has it been fast for you? Like, no, it's not. It's taking forever. <laughs> Wrap it up, B. All right. Final segment. All right. Here's the last segment. I love these. I, I'm, I'm having fun. I, should, I miss my calling. I should be Ryan Seacrest, I think, right? <laughs> Welcome to a... Anyway. All right. This is the last segment. It's called Toss Up. And what I wanted to do is I wanted to toss up a uh, just a kind of a debatable, maybe a conundrum that some... Uh, marriages or singles might find themselves in. Uh, is it this or this? What do you choose in what might be an either or tension or tension to manage? So let's, just to get the thing going, let's do a, a, a starter as it relates to dating and singleness. I'm going to throw this out to Pastor John. Uh, if you're single, Pastor John, are you going to use Christian Mingle or Tinder? <laughs> <laughs> He doesn't know about any of those things. <laughs> you know it. Yeah. All right. T Tinder, just, I'm just messing with you. Tinder is the, it's the app or whatever. You can like swipe right if you don't think they're pretty and swipe left if you, I don't know. One, one direction. Which way do you go if it's, if you like it? Right? Swipe right? <laughs> we got an honest man here in the front. 
Swipe right if you like one, it, Pastor. One vote for Tinder. Yeah, yeah. One vote for Tinder. Actually, I would not recommend Tinder. I would recommend Christian Mingle based on what we just said. Uh, you don't want somebody who doesn't believe what you believe. So, although I'm sure uh, you're going to need your checklist in Christian Mingle too. Oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. I love Jesus. Uh, yeah, anyway, all right, here we go. Number two. This one's, here's, here's a real one. All right. Separate or stay together, when is it time? That is a huge, that's not, not to be joked about, really. Like, you got, you got people who are wrestling with, are we done? And we haven't really addressed this this week. I'm going to toss this to you, Pastor Dan, but we haven't really address, addressed divorce and separation in this series. Um, when is it time? Is there time? When, what are the grounds for it? What does the Bible say about it? I mean, we got, you got... Uh, 30 seconds, okay. go. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, you know, there's a reason why the Bible says God hates divorce. Uh, doesn't matter how much it makes sense to us, it's still going to rip at our heart. Mm. And I would say, um, as far as, you know, when, when is it time, you know, um, really, uh, your, your, your situation is going to somewhat determine that, but I would say it's never going to feel like it's the time because it really, you know, it's, it's absolutely the end this is the last ditch decision to make. So really, there's a reason why God hates it. It rips at our heart. Yeah. So the grounds, the grounds for divorce in the Bible, as per Jesus says, there are there are grounds for divorce, um, but it, He basically says in, it's infidelity, mm-hmm. um, which which speaks to a bigger issue um, about betrayal and basically complete undermining of the vows. Yeah, and please, nobody make that kind of decision just between the two of you. Get get yeah. counsel you trust and do it within community. People people helping you with what that. What would you say about divorce? Even, even in the case though, worst case, infidelity, yeah. the reason. Uh, even then, shouldn't the Christian be open to yes. open to counseling, open to reconciliation if yeah. possible? Never. Okay, that's happened. I am We're out done. of here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Shouldn't the Christian always, even then? Be open to forgiveness and reconciliation yeah. and counseling yeah. or whatever. Yeah. yeah, you're bound in marriage, even if there's a great infraction like that. You're bound through covenant to mutually submit to one another. And to me, as I interpret the scripture, um, the time for divorce is when one party has said, "I no longer want to submit to this covenant." Right, and so that 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 could mean a variety of things. But if, for instance, if one person stepped out and and committed adultery, and yet comes and says, I want to work this out. I believe biblically you are supposed to try to work that out. Um, that's what mutual submission is. And, and you, you aren't given the right as a married person to determine uh, what, what you know, constitutes you saying, I'm no longer submitting to you. Actually, it's them that have to pull out and say, I'm done. Right? Like there's a, that, that level of Mutual submission demands that. Yeah. So I, I love that. Like God, if, if you're people of faith, especially like the thrust of our whole faith is reconciliation. There's a whole book in the Bible uh, called Hosea. And it's, it's a, this allegory, uh, this prophetic picture of God's reconciliation and his love and grace to us. And this man basically ends up marrying a couple prosti- or a prostitute who cheats on him multiple times and that he keeps taking her back. And, you know, it's very hard as a Christian, um, how do I say this? We give what we have. And if you have received grace from Jesus, 
that should flow out through you. And I, I've not lived through that, and I know some of you have just deep wounds in that area, but I would say if God can find grace to forgive you, he can give you grace to forgive her or give you grace to forgive him. So, so always, always work towards reconciliation. That said, there are good Christians who, ha- who are in a second marriage or third marriage, and God uh, has grace for every season and uh, nothing is hopeless and no one is completely lost. And so, Absolutely. you know, do not, there's been, you know what, the church has done a bad job with divorce uh, on both ends of the spectrum. But, you know, certain, certain churches, there's just a big shroud of shame and judgment attached to that. And, um, you know, all of sin to fall short of the glory of God. And we, uh, grace is the key. Grace is the key in all, in all circumstance. Yeah. All right, let me, let, me, let me throw another one. Oh, this one's cool. Number three. We got we to wrap up, don't we? Number three, let me do a couple more. Let's just go real fast. Uh, Christian school, public school, or homeschool? Wow. Anyone? <laughs> yes. Yes. That's the answer. That is the answer. There is no easy answer, is there? There really isn't. And uh, there's not one you're going to hear from this pulpit that you should do this or this. I believe that you should... Uh, raise your kids as God leads you and gives you wisdom. So, um, you know, our kids go to public school. Some of you kids wear burlap and churn their own butter and they're homeschooled. That's all good. I, I would. I'm joking. I, I'm joking. I, I, I would <laughs> my put, friends, my friends. Hey, you know, I, I would like to throw one plea out, though. Please don't do whatever that choice is because you're running scared from the world. Amen. That's good. You know, we, we, are, we are people who are in the world but not of it. Yeah. And, and we're to be the salt of the earth, light of the world. And we shouldn't do whatever we do out of fear, for sure. You know what? It, it, that's that's a, a, a huge tension, though, of, and I'll kick that back. Fear should never motivate our decisions as a believer. I remember when we were, gonna, we were arguing about having a third child, and I didn't want to have a third one because I was afraid of, hey, we have two healthy kids. Why would I risk this? And I remember God saying, since when do my kids make decisions based on fear? So you don't. Um, but that said, wisdom might lead you to homeschool yeah. or wisdom might lead you to Christian school. And there are things mm-hmm. to consider about public school. Like, I don't know if my son is ready to be salt and light sure. and to determine whether or not he can, uh, you know, navigate what he's being taught in that context. So the point I would say is this, that your kid's education, you're going to be hands on, whether you're homeschooling or public schooling. Uh, you're part of that process. Right. Um, let's let's keep going. We got we got. We got uh, Oh, here's another fun one. On kids. Spank them or time out? Yes. Also, yes. 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 Yes, exactly. Yeah. Again, same answer, right? I think discipline a child is down to the child. I mean, there are some kids you spank and it's going to make no difference to them. And there are some kids who say, you know, go sit in the corner and it's going to mean the world to them. And I think understanding the kid is part of how you discipline a child. What you want to take away something that is important to them so they understand they've done something wrong. So the nature of which it takes should be reasonable. It shouldn't sort of be overbearing as a parent but it should be enough such that they know they've done something wrong and they can seek redress. So the point, the point is boundaries and discipline are a thing and a necessary thing. That's right. Yeah, your kid's not cute when they just express themselves. Uh, hey, that's just Johnny and that's just how he is. Well, he doesn't need to be like that. You need to, like, ground the kid. <laughs> no? I'm getting too free. I'm, like, digging a hole now, aren't I? Yeah. 
Well, we listen. I agree, though. Each kid requires a different approach. Like, I, like my son, I had to spank him once. I don't think he'll ever be spanked again. Like, he was so de- it didn't even hurt him. He was just so devastated by it, like that. It was just a, that's a thing, okay. And uh, you know, but that so brought alignment. And again, I was spanked as a kid, and frankly, I needed it. And <laughs> and but I'll tell you something. I have an amazing relationship with my parents. So again, some of you are maybe like, I can't believe you'd ever spank. I spank my kids. Don't judge me. <laughs> kids need discipline and boundaries, right? I know my son, who is sitting down here in one of the front rows, uh, is going to kill me for telling this story. But <laughs> when he was two or three years old, I, I think actually you lost him at the whole like. I think Dan should talk about this. So. <laughs> Anyway, yeah. when he was, uh, he was just, I don't know, two, maybe a little bit older than two, uh, Linda was teaching him about discipline. And she had a stack of magazines up on, the, up on the coffee table just to kind of work with him. And she told him that he couldn't touch the magazines. No, he was like, he was like eight, not even a year. He's 18. Uh, oh, I was going to say he was eight. <laughs> not even a year. So he walked up and he, and after, directly after she told him, don't touch those magazines, he walked up and put his hand on the magazines and looked up at her. <laughs> what? And so she walked over and she said, I said no. And she took his little hand and she, she just slapped his hand. And you know what he did? He slapped her back. <laughs> and we thought, we're going to have to take a different route with yeah. this kid. So, right, right. So uh, boundaries was the way for him. Well, have you guys, have you guys appreciated this time? Uh, it's been enjoyable. Can you, can you give these guys some thanks? Thank you so much, you guys. I'm going to invite you to stand with me. You guys in at East as well. Let's just stand together. Uh, this has gone fast. And this, this brings us to the conclusion of our For Better, For Worse series. I am glad you've been here for this. But uh, I wanted to end off praying for marriages uh, together. And so you guys in at East and you guys in at our 11 o'clock service and our 9 o'clock service, uh, you guys stand as well. And if you could just do something, I'm going to let uh, Shola uh, just pray over marriages. And if maybe you're next to your spouse, you want to take her or him by the hand. And let's just close this time and let's just ask the Lord to bless what he's began and water the seed that he's planted. Go ahead, Shola. Father, we want to just thank you, Lord, for our marriages. And want to thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to have learned so much in this last few weeks at your feet. We want to just bless you, Lord, for the homes that we have in this church and the blessing which you've put, put in, in our homes, Lord. Father, we, we just want to commit our homes afresh into your hands again. Lord, that you would come and unite us together. Make us one, Lord, living as you, as you desire. You said the, the man shall leave his father and his mother and shall cleave to his wife, and the two shall be one flesh. Father, we say, let that be a reality in our homes, Lord. Let that be a reality in our relationships, Lord. Father, those little foxes that spoil and destroy the vine, those, those habits, Lord. Father, come and help us to lay them aside. Father, we pray for homes and marriages in difficulties right now. Lord, where there's struggle, where there's pain, where there's strife, where there's all sorts of difficulties. Father, we ask for your healing virtue to flow through our homes, Lord, uniting us, Lord, making us fresh again, making us in love again, one with another. Father, we ask for wisdom, Lord, to handle difficult issues, to manage difficult children. Father, we ask, Lord, for your presence to fill our home afresh. Holy Spirit, we invite you to come and be our guide, to come and lead us, to come and refresh our home again. Father, we pray, Lord, that you would come and make your presence felt in every relationship in this, in this church, Lord. We are not ignorant of the devices of the enemy 
to come and sow discord, to come and sow difficulty and, 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 and destruction, to steal, to kill, to destroy our homes. Father, we, we come against the devil and his activities in our homes and in our marriages in this church, Lord. Father, we raise the banner of the blood of Jesus and the name of Jesus over our homes and over our families and over our children, Lord. And we release your power and your glory and your presence, Lord, even in our homes, in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen, amen, amen.